What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Yesterday, we were spreading the love. Today, not so much. We're talking about our early do not draft list for 2024. There's players that you're probably not going to see on our teams if we were drafting today. And I think there's some pretty interesting names on here. I'm very, I'm curious to challenge you guys on some of the names on this list. You know, uh, Jamie is an ageist, so there's going to be a lot of old guys on his list. Um, Dave, I think the most interesting guy on your list was T. Higgins. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was like, oh, all right, we're going to get into it on that. Are you ready for a fight? You ready for a Higgins fight? Yeah, absolutely. Bring it on. Okay, I will. I will. And there was a guy, uh, Terry McLaurin was another guy on your list. And this is a little off subject, but uh, not really. We talked a lot about Drake London yesterday. And you know what I thought? I thought maybe worst case scenario for Drake London is Terry McLaurin. I see some similarities there. Uh, Again, this is what I'm talking about. McLaurin could basically never escape being on a bad offense. And even last year was the best offense he'd ever been on. It was one of his worst seasons, actually, for fantasy. Um, but I had that thought, guys. That's why... That's, what was the Washington passing offense, 24th? No, it was 14th or 15th in gross passing yards per game. But three years in a row, it was they right around... like crazy. It was right around 22nd, which is what, which is what Atlanta no, was last bad. year. That's not bad. It's, it's not good. But, it's, <laughs> but it could be worse. It could be worse. But that's what I'm saying. It's not that easy to, to have an offensive upgrade. You're hopeful that 
Washington has the path now with the number two pick in the draft. But I thought, what do you think about that comparison? Drake London to Terry McLaurin. I feel like we know what McLaurin is now. Look at the last three seasons. He's averaged anywhere between 12 and 13 and a half PPR points per game. Awesome receiver, stuck with some less than great quarterbacks, I'd say. I'd, I'd be encouraged if if they had a good quarterback, but I'm discouraged by the fact that they're picking two. They're going to have a rookie. It's going to be Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Not necessarily believing that McLaurin can break out of it and become a, a megastar in his age 28 season. Whereas London does have a chance, um, may not have the same type of quarterback. You got to see who his passer is. Um, he's been in the league two seasons. He only has a stretch where he's been close to where McLaurin's been. I, I think we've got to see what happens in Atlanta over the next couple of months. Cause there's a chance. Listen, I already said it. The commanders are going to get themselves a rookie quarterback. I don't know what the Falcons are going to do. If the Falcons end up with a worse quarterback situation, very easily McLaurin could be better than Drake London. I, I guess I mean, like, think about all the hope we had for Terry McLaurin. And we have a year. I think we're done. And it's 12, 13.5, 12.2. Yeah. And barely, if at all, a top 24 receiver in PPR points per game. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's ever cracked the top 20, maybe back into the top 24. But I guess I'm just saying, we've had, we know he's a great player, but it just never mm-hmm. worked for him. And that's my fear for Drake London. That, you yep, know. I guess. I think he's going to be one of the best value picks, though. Which one? McLaurin. Let's see. McLaurin. Because you drafted him as the third receiver. There's still that upside. He still went in the, yeah, in the two picks we fine. did. Is there that upside, though? He in the two In the drafts that we did, he went in round five or six, which is... For three receiver leagues, that's perfectly appropriate. Yeah, and looking for 12 PPR points from a number three receiver is great. It's when you make him your number two receiver that you could feel a little bit bad about things. Okay. All right, well, anyway, welcome to the show. Today, it's all about hate. Just a mean, nasty Uh, show. You just got to re-qualify how you phrase it, though, because there's no such thing as a do not draft list. Agreed. All right, well, dare I say, how (laughs) how do you define it? What's your do not draft list? there's guys you're avoiding at cost. Okay. Which is a very clunky way to say it, but it's just there. None of the players that we are going to say today, we wouldn't say I'm not drafting this guy. If he's available in whatever round you want to attach it to. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if McLaurin, if McLaurin's there at the six, seven turn, it almost doesn't matter who his quarterback is. You're going to be interested in getting him. You know, you've seen the worst, you've seen the floor. Mm-hmm. And I was also thinking, uh, it's not just that necessarily. It's also for, for me, it's, you, you, if you draft him there, that's cool. I'm not going to criticize you for it, but he's not for me. He's just not my guy there. And I'm wondering if a lot of people would have Christian McCaffrey at number one overall on their do not draft list. Like, hey, look, I understand why you're taking him number one, but for all the things that you guys were talking about yesterday and what Dave tweeted over the weekend, he gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. You know what I mean? Well, it's the same thing that happened to Eckler. It's the same thing that happened to Henry. It's the same thing that happened to Devontae Adams. I mean, again, it's just a matter of what your risk-reward factor is. Do you think that he's you know, solved his injury concerns because of being in San Francisco and managing it better? Do you think that he's going to be able to still survive for one more season despite the fact that his age is catching up to him and coming off a significant workload? Look, there are a lot of risks attached to it, and we've seen – 
the Super Bowl loser and the hangover that's happened to those teams for whatever reason. Eagles, same thing. You know, their offense was not as good as it was the year before. So there, there's a lot of concerns. I mean, look, nobody expected Justin Jefferson to get hurt. If you want to go the curse of the number one overall pick, which has happened a couple of times over the last several more, years. More than, that. More, oh yeah. huh? more than that. It's a real curse. So there are, there are some legitimate risks, but you know, again, as we talked about with McCaffrey, if he does survive all of his pitfalls and every player has pitfalls, but if he survives all of them, you're still talking about the best player in fantasy. Yeah. All right, more on uh, our avoid list and a little or do not draft list in a little bit. Tiger Woods. I just got a question with, with McLaurin because you said something. He said he's yeah. not for you at that spot, and I know you're you're looking for upside like we all are. Would you be taking McLaurin over, let's say, or would you be taking let's say somebody like Jackson Smith and the Jigba if Tyler Lockett's still there or Terry McLaurin? So who's the quarterback for Washington? The quarterback is Drake May. So I would have a lot more faith in McLaurin if it were May compared to Jaden Daniels. I just think you'll get more statistics out of more passing statistics out of May. Um, yes, I probably would. I think we just you know like just look at McLaurin. It, you probably would take JSN. JSN. Yeah. How about you? If Tyler Lockett is still there, I would take McLaurin. They would they would not be ranked that far apart, but I would still take McLaurin. And I do think that JSN, even in that scenario, is going to be better than Lockett because I think that's the next, you know, thing that happens in Seattle. But if Lockett is still there, I would I would rather have McLaurin. I'd rather have the number one in Washington as opposed to the two three in Seattle. Dave, same, agree, McLaurin. Yeah, same. Okay. Um, and we have to talk about who the quarterback's going to be for uh, for. Seattle, which we could know pretty soon. We'll talk about that in a second. But Tiger Woods making his first official PGA Tour start since he withdrew after making the cut at the Masters Tournament in April. Plenty of people wondering what version we might see of the big cat. You can stream the Genesis Invitational on Paramount Plus Saturday and Sunday, beginning at 3 p.m. Eastern. Paramount Plus. I mean, what can't you stream? I, you know what I was watching yesterday or two, day, two days ago and yesterday, and I haven't finished it. I was like, I'd like to watch my favorite movie ever. I haven't watched Braveheart in a while, so I watched that on Paramount+. Plus. But this is your chance to watch Golf, the Genesis Invitational on Paramount+, Plus, Saturday and Sunday at 3 Eastern, and it appears to be on CBS as well. Uh, news and notes. So Geno Smith, he has his $12.7 million base salary. It becomes guaranteed on Friday. So we could have some Geno Smith news. If they want to move on from him, they might cut him today. So uh, we will see. Kansas City signed. That would be crazy. It just seems like there's some smoke there. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Kansas City signed defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo to an extension. Uh, Atlanta's offensive coordinator Zach Robinson said that all options are on the table at quarterback. And he also said that Kyle Pitts can play tight end and Bijan Robinson can just play running back. In, in other words... Um, using them more at their particular positions in this new offense. Amazing how that would work. Yeah. He also said, our pass offense last year was not that bad, which I thought was an interesting thing for him. <laughs> he didn't say that. Uh, San Francisco fired their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, saying it was just a bad fit. And they lost a lot of coordinators. My goodness, a lot of, a lot of coaches. I know. Yeah, you know, Shanahan talked about how difficult it's been to lose Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans and then trying to make Steve Wilkes 
coach to to their to those previous schemes, and it's tough for these teams to lose coordinators all the time. Happens to the Rams all the time, right? And the Eagles last year. I have a question for you guys. It's fantasy relevant. Have you watched the new season of True Detective? I started the first two episodes, and then I haven't caught up yet, so I'm looking forward to doing that at some point soon. It's on my list. Hilarious fantasy football reference in the first episode yeah. of the season. Yeah. <laughs> I was cracking up. It was your Jody Foster's awesome. She really is. Um, one more coordinator that they, or one more, I guess, coordinator, uh, coach that they lost, but Anthony Lynn. I like the move for Washington. It's a running backs coach, yes? Yeah. I like that for Brian Robinson. Sure. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, let's take a look at the do not draft list at quarterback. Jamie has not drafting a quarterback in the first three rounds, any quarterback. And then he's got a couple of older guys coming off Achilles injuries, Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so, all right, Josh Allen's available in the middle of round three, and you're saying no thanks? No thanks. Why? It's just not something I'm going to be inclined to do. I think I'll find better talent that I will be able to acquire while still getting another quarterback later that I think will be close to Josh Allen in production. Will not be better than Josh Allen because otherwise I would rank it that way. But I don't think we're going to see a big spike in quarterback production from one or two guys like we had two years ago. I think what we saw last year is going to be closer to the norm. Okay. Um, Dave, do you agree with that? When should Josh Allen go? I think I'm going to end up being okay with Josh Allen in early round four, maybe late round three in non-PPR leagues, just because that drop-off will come. We talked about this earlier in the week. Where once once you get to a point where you don't love the running backs that are left, you don't love the wide receivers that are left, that's when you're going to go to tight end. When you don't love any of those guys, that's when you go to quarterback. And so I think that's going to fall for me probably right around 40th overall in drafts. And that's where I'd take Josh Allen. Okay. So do you guys think, and Jamie, I think you just sort of answered this. Last year, Allen was great. He was QB1, but he wasn't. He wasn't him. You know, he didn't score as many points as he usually does. Uh, do you think? Let's see, twenty six point two points per game for Josh Allen. Before that, the previous three years, twenty eight point nine, twenty seven point six, twenty eight point seven. You think he gets back to twenty eight? That would be two more points per game almost. No, I don't. Unless they make a big splash at receiver. Why not though? What if he was that good? Because okay, okay, because Diggs is not Diggs. That's basically. I don't think Diggs is the same player. I don't think they're going to necessarily replace Gabe Davis if he does leave as expected with something, either a first round talent or a big free agent signing. I think they made that move last year in the first round to get Dalton Kincaid to upgrade that position as a pass catcher. I think Khalil Shakir is certainly going to show that he's capable enough to be a complementary option. And as we saw when Joe Brady took over, there was more emphasis on the run. Sean McDermott also prior to the season was again very adamant. And he said, I'm going to say this again and again and again. And his quote was, just put me on repeat. I'm not going to change my my tune on this. We want him to run less. Now, that didn't necessarily play itself out too much because of how much he'd still ran. But that's something I think that they want to rein him in continually to make sure he's healthy and make sure he has a long playoff run. And we saw two years ago, the elbow injury was a problem for him. Who knows how much he got banged up throughout the course of the season in any way, shape, or form this year too. So his rushing touchdowns may decline a little bit. And he was certainly very good at finding the end zone. I think he tied with 
uh, Jalen Hurts in terms of rushing touchdowns for this season to lead the NFL. So if it goes from double digits to seven or eight, which is still great for a quarterback, then you're still talking about if his passing numbers don't significantly increase like they were a couple of years ago, 26 points might just be where his ceiling is, which is fine. It's great. But I just don't think he's getting back to that level. Okay. Let's go to the next two guys then, Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers. And again, this is a, oh, well, when is it okay to draft them? And, and also, I, we don't really know what a quarterback is going to look like coming back from an Achilles, right? It's still a little bit unknown. And Rodgers was- Two old guys, though. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Rodgers has like the that voodoo magic that made him heal in three months. But uh, they were in our two drafts that we did. I think Kirk Cousins was the last quarterback drafted. He was QB 17 and Aaron Rodgers was not drafted. So I'm sure you don't have a problem with that per se. Not at all. Not at all. Right. They, they will not be guys that I would be coveting, though. They will be guys that if we're in super flex or two QB leagues that I would be settling for as a second quarterback as opposed to be targeting. Um, I think in the case of Cousins, he's going to end up being a bridge quarterback, whether it's in Minnesota or someplace else. I don't think he's going somewhere to be a long-term answer by any stretch. Even with the Vikings, I think it's a very short-term play. And for Rodgers, we know there's not much of a long-term situation there for the Jets. So I just look at it as... The offensive line is most likely still going to be a concern for the Jets, no matter what upgrades they have, unless it's just completely significant, a lot of free agents, and they spend their entire draft capital on retooling that part of the uh, football, which they can. I mean, look, their their running back situation is great. They have a legit number one receiver. They could piece together the second options, and it may be Devontae Adams if they do get aggressive and really want to bring Rodgers' guy, as he has expressed. But he's still going to be 40 years old behind what could be a mediocre offensive line if it's upgraded to that. And that still makes me very nervous. So again, two guys that I would be looking to avoid. Um, but at the basis base bottom basement, bottom price of uh, last round pick, if, if that's the best second quarterback, if I'm inclined to take two, then I would consider them there. All right, Dave, Caleb Williams goes to the bears, Drake may to the commanders. Jaden Daniels to the Patriots. How many of them are you taking ahead of Cousins and Rodgers? Williams, yes. Uh, here's a question. Does my league have IR spots? Sure, yeah. I want Cousins. I'll take Cousins in like round 14, 15 if he's there just to stash him for when he comes back and see what we've got with him. He could he he might begin the year ready to go. And so he might be on my my IR spot until week one comes, and then I'm gonna have to make a move. I think there's just I think Williams has more upside to to be great for fantasy and he'll be ready to go week one. I don't have to worry about his health. I don't have to worry about his age. Just makes sense that I would take him before I would consider cousins or Rogers. Daniels one thousand percent over both those guys. Williams over both those guys and potentially Drake may over those guys too. I'm assuming you're going to have in this scenario, Williams to the bears, Daniels to the Patriots. You, you said Daniels a little bit more emphatically, but I, would you have Caleb Williams or Daniels ranked ahead? Who, who would be your favorite rookie? I'd like to see what else the bears do with their second top 10 pick. Uh, but Daniels on his own could be better than Williams. Based on his life. What do you like about him? His running is going to be awesome. I hope so. I haven't watched him yet, so I, it's part of the reason why I wasn't ready to say that I would take him over Cousins. And I know that he's a runner. Yeah. It's a New England thing, though. <laughs> different different New England. I I hope it is. They don't feel that different. That's the problem. 
Like they they definitely stayed in house quite a bit. Yeah, and I, I felt like I think Mayo needed... is a different guy than Belichick for sure. Right, but they promoted from within a defensive coordinator. Their front office. That's what I was a little surprised with New England. I kind of felt like they needed some fresh ideas. Maybe it was just Belichick dragging them down. Maybe. Well, I mean, based on the things that Robert Kraft has said, he's kind of thrown Bill under the bus a couple times. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there there's uh, there's some changes. But there have. I mean, that's the thing. They just it's like kind of the same, same group, uh, at least in, in the executives. Um, but no Belichick, so that's obviously a big deal. All right, we'll take a break. We got running backs to talk about when we come back. When would you take Derrick Henry, Tony Pollard, Raheem Mostert? These guys are on the do not draft list for either Jave or Damey. And we'll talk about that when we come back on Footy Ball Fant Ball today. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'm going to separate the running backs into... The J, the Jame, the Jamie running backs and the Dave running backs. But Dave, you haven't really spoken much yet, so we'll go with your running backs first. And you're saying you want to avoid three guys who are taken basically back to back to back, or at least among running backs in our most recent drafts, round six, maybe into round seven. Tony Pollard, Raheem Mostert, and Javante Williams. Uh, Tony Pollard, Raheem Mostert, Javante Williams. Let me just read the round six running backs. Looking at Fantasy Pros PPR ADP from last year, the running backs who were drafted in round six, not bad. Damian Pierce was more like round five, but very close to round six. He was awful. Rashad White, James Cook, David Montgomery, James Conner, and Javante Williams. It's a pretty good group. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Um, so Pollard, Mostert, Williams, if they went in round six of a 12-team league, so that's after pick 60, would that be a problem for you? I just wouldn't take them then. I'm not interested in, in getting them. Pollard is the one who I might swing on just because I don't know where he's going to play or what his role is going to be. If he's back well, in first Dallas, off, he's back with the Cowboys and the only guy, he's not getting round six. Oh, no, but I also don't think that that scenario is happening. I think right. he had his shot at that, and I think that ship has sailed. I think he's going to end up splitting no matter where he goes. And he'll be back to being, at best, 30 snaps a game, 12 touches a game. If the guy that he's sharing with gets hurt, then he gets put into a feature role for however long that is. Is that the profile of someone that gets taken in, in round six? Yeah, it is. But I just, I, I really did not like how he played, how he wound up last year uh, under 12 PPR points per game in his last 14 games and really just could not give the Cowboys what they needed out of him as a, as a running back. He, he had his chance to be a feature back. He couldn't do it. Now he's going to split somewhere 
We don't know where. We don't know how good it'll be. We don't know how effective he'll be. And I, I feel like he's going to end up being a headache for fantasy managers all year long, no matter what team he's with. And that's something that I can avoid in round six. He's the type of running back that I'd go after if I'm building zero RB, but not somebody that I would go out and target right away. All right, that's Tony Pollard. I want, and we'll talk about Mostert and Javante, but I want to read something from ESPN's Todd Archer that I read uh, last week or two weeks ago. He said, it's easy to think Tony Pollard, a single 100-yard game, could not handle the lead running back responsibilities, but he was not the problem. The run plan was off. The Cowboys never developed an identity, regardless of whether that was because run game coordinator Jeff Blasco took a leave of absence during the season, new line coach Mike Solari could not make it work, or the line just wasn't good enough. That was from Cowboys beat writer Todd Archer. Also, uh, recently Pollard said things are going to be much different next year because he's going to have a healthy offseason. So you could take that into account as well. However, a writer for The Athletic, I forgot his name, I'm sorry, said Pollard is not a feature back, basically. that he He's not suited for that role. So To me, last year proved it. You know, making, bringing up what happened with the coaching staff and that they couldn't have a game plan, that's a huge indictment on Mike McCarthy, if anything. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I'm certainly not going to be interested in taking Pollard with the top 40 pick. Seeing him in round six might be about the time where I'd be okay with him. But it, I don't. I think the days of him averaging over 15 PPR points per game, like he did in 2022, I think they're gone. I just want to see where he ends up playing first before I commit to anything. What about Mostert and Javante? Nope. Everything we say now, we have to stick with for the rest <laughs> of the offseason. Yeah, no, right. It's obviously difficult. We're just providing some content here, but that's you know that's how we're feeling about this guy at the moment. Um, but Mostert and Javante. You know, both and Javante also didn't have a healthy offseason. Um, but do you are you okay with them in round six? And by the way, of those three, who would you take first? Pollard, Mostert, Javante? Pollard for me. Okay. Jamie? If he's if he's sharing, I would take Javante. I think Javante, year two off ACL tear in Sean Payton's offense, could be really good. I just don't know if he's going to be the guy. Like he might lead them in carries from game to game and and you know, it could be in the neighborhood of like what Pollard was getting two years ago, where he's getting like 12 carries, two or three catches. I'm not certain he's the best running back that they even have on the roster right now. He's certainly the most physical. So he's going to have that role for sure. But I don't know if he's going to be. Can he get some explosiveness back? Because there was not a lot of that last year. Well, wouldn't you think yes, though? Wouldn't you lean toward That's yes on that? That's been the case for most quality players year two off an ACL tear. And if you believe he's a quality player, then he should. If you don't, then you probably will be afraid to draft him. Makes sense. And so this is one where I'd say, for now, I'm not taking him. We, we could absolutely get reports about him looking different and better when we get to the mini camp and training camp. And at that point, I can do a U-turn and say, all right, maybe I would take him in round six or even round five. But I I am almost certain that the Broncos are going to stick with a multiple running back approach. They were using three at points last season. Uh, and, and that would be bad for Javante Williams ever getting back to the point where he could potentially be a, a fantasy stud. It's just a matter of Samaje still there too. The thing about Samaje is uh, Samaje Pirine's not going to – take Javante Williams off the field in a lot of running downs, right? I don't know, but, but McLaughlin might, 
if McLaughlin's really, if he's good, and he looked pretty damn good, didn't he? In 5.4 yards per carry. Yes. Right. But, and the, and so, and, and like Samaj P. Ryan or whoever could take Javante Williams off the field on third down. But I don't know if it matters because the, the Broncos led the NFL in running back targets last year. And that's kind of a Sean Payton thing. I didn't know if that would carry over, if that was just a Camara thing. But I think it's probably a Sean Payton thing. Um, so he'll have his catches, you know, like like a three catch per game kind of guy, about fifty catches. Hope you'd think, but McLaughlin to me feels like a uh, somewhat of a threat to Javante. I don't know how you guys. Oh, look, of course he right? is. I mean, look, there. If he, if there wasn't somebody else there, you know, Javante, based on just his role or opportunity, would be a potential third or fourth round pick. You know, just based on what his. You tell me fifty catches for any running back, that's going to put them in a in a different category. So yeah. if you think that's what he's getting, plus what he's going to be able to do as a runner year two off an ACL in this offense with the quarterback situation probably being a little questionable where I think Sean Payton would lean on his backs to whatever, you know, potential he likes of any of these guys, which is kind of what happened last year, especially after they moved on from Russell Wilson. So I I think for his opportunities, if it's three guys, it's frustrating. But if you say 50 catches out of the gate, sign me up all day. Yeah. I mean, it might not be 50. He had 47 catches in 16 games. So right around 50 catches. He had two Two to four catches in 14 of 16 games. Incredibly consistent there. All right, last one is Mostert, Dave. Um, yeah, so again, a round six pick in our, in our drafts, going right around Pollard and, and Javante, and you're just, no, no thanks. It's just the matter of, can he do this again? And he's going to be 32 years old. A-Chan will be healthy. He's entering his second season. Do the Dolphins keep Jeff Wilson? Do they bring in somebody younger to further make their running back room um, poised toward the future? I love how he started last season, 23.2 PPR points per game, and then he was at 14.3 in his final nine. I thought he slowed down a little bit toward the end of the year. That's not a shock considering his age. I I almost think we're going to be right back in the exact same situation with him as where we were when we were drafting him last year, which is a guy who can get you off to a hot start, and then when things get turbulent and he gets hurt or you know loses his role, whatever, you're going to end up cutting him. In those types of situations, I don't want to spend a six-round pick on a player with, with the idea being that I might be cutting him by the time we get to Halloween. So certainly could be awesome to start the year, but I don't know if he's going to be nearly as good, and I'm betting against him being as good as he was this past season. The problem is I think using round six is a bad situation because the two drafts you're referencing, the same person drafted in round six. So I don't know if that's just that particular drafter is inclined to think that Mostert is going to still be a, a, a as much of a contributor with Devon H. Because I, I don't think any of us are going to rank Mostert as a round six pick while ranking Devon H. as a potential round one pick, certainly a round two pick. So I think it's probably one person thinking that Mostert is still going to be that good. I would say if you're getting Mostert, which is probably where he'll end up going, is is somewhere closer to round 10. That, to me, feels oh. good. So, But oh, yeah. the only reason for that is is his age. He's going to be 32 years old. Right. But Because I think the comparison that you'd have to make is Dolphins' backfield to Lions' backfield. And we'd be perfectly fine with David Montgomery in the sixth round, I think, right? And we have Jameer Gibbs as a first-round pick. We have Devon Achan as a second-round pick. You know, if things stay the same, you still have probably more carries for Mostert. You know, he could out, he could conceivably out-carry Devon Achan, who is a guy that never proved he could stay healthy. 
with the dog never in one year. But he's a small guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're 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 totally right. But you said it. He's 32. You know, and yeah. you know, so I spoke to him at the Pro Bowl. I said, "What changed for you? You know, are you trying to just you know be one of these guys that can break the stigma of of you know 30 year old running backs continuing to produce?" He said he changed his diet. You know, that's a big part of it. You know, he said being healthy for two years in a row was 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 huge for him. He never really did that in his career. Certainly in San Francisco, we know about the injury woes that he you know dealt with. And so coming to Miami, he stayed healthy for two years in a row. Again, you know, changing his diet, so making things, making a, a, a life change to help his career. But father time is undefeated. And, you know, 30-plus-year-old running backs are really tough to trust. And so in a, in a smaller, reduced role in Miami, yes, he could still be very successful. But in a smaller, reduced role, that doesn't speak to his fantasy production being great. He could still be their goal line guy. He could still be somebody that they lean on on first and second down and, you know, alternate drives or whatever they want to do, but it's just tough to say he's going to stay healthy at his age at the amount of work that he had. So if you're taking him around six, it's a huge risk unless something happens to H-hand preseason. But I also think, like Dave said, I don't know who the third guy is going to be. And that I think will matter in Miami's offense because they will use a third guy at times, maybe not to the extent of what they did a couple years ago, but they will use a third guy. And if it's Jeff Wilson again, then I feel good about Moster. Okay. All right. Uh, let's talk about Jamie's running backs here. And so again, to uh, to recap, Dave thinks those round six picks on Pollard, Mostert, and Javante are too early. Jamie is focusing on some older guys that he just doesn't see drafting a lot of. Nick Chubb coming off the ACL, Derek Henry, and Austin Eckler. In our most recent drafts, Nick Chubb was around four pick in half PPR, around five pick, 12-team leagues, in full PPR. Derek Henry... Unless unless it was written down wrong, he was 38th overall in our half PPR draft and 82nd overall in our PPR draft. So big difference there for Derrick Henry. Yeah, you can't use our, our drafts are done without really draft rooms. I know, but so, what am I what am I supposed to use? Like I don't have ADP. It's it's the it's there the, is no ADP. Right, it's the best of a bad world basically. So, um, and then Austin Eckler, I it was actually around seven pick, around eight pick in our two drafts. So nobody seems to want him. Uh, all right, Jamie, Nick Chubb, when would you consider him? Seven, eight. Wow. That feels a little late to me. Again, 28-year-old running back coming off. be 29. Of, coming off nah, of May for injury. No. Okay, okay. so so then he's going to be 29 on December 27th. So to me, he's this is his age 28 season. Okay. Well, no, I mean, it, you have to draw a line somewhere. I don't know where to draw it. I usually draw it like be late twenty-eight. I don't. I don't know how you how we quantify this and where the deadline is for what year somebody's season is. He doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires. He came into the league old. Um, had only twenty-eight carries last year. So twelve hundred carries in his career. He's not. You know, he's not going to last till round seven. Obviously, Jamie. So you're just not going. You're going to be out on Nick Chubb. Yeah, I will not be drafting Nick Chubb. I'd be much more inclined to draft Jerome Ford if he's a sec guy there, because I do think that we'll see some struggles. And again, you want to use the two running backs that we had coming off ACL tears last year. Brees Hall was fantastic. Took a little bit of you know some time. I know he had the great week one game, but took a little bit of time, and then he proved himself to be fantastic behind a terrible offensive line. Give him all the credit in the world. He was he he was great for fantasy managers and great for the Jets. Javante Williams didn't necessarily have a great season across the board. Yes, he was involved in the passing game. Yes, he had some moments, but 
certainly did not produce at a very high level. Those two guys are young. Now you're talking about 28 and a half year old Nick Chubb uh, uh, coming 20, off 28 and three quarters. 28 and three quarter Nick Chubb <laughs> coming off a significant knee injury. He's awesome. I'm sure we'll get videos of him squatting 500 pounds again, and he'll look like he's a beast. He just will not be on a lot of my fantasy teams. I'm just not inclined to take those type of players as they get older. Uh, just not not something that I'm going to be doing. Okay, I get it. And I think it makes sense to be completely non-committal to Nick Chubb because there is so much that can change here with his situation. Uh, positive, his ACL tear came in the early part of the year. It was in September. So theoretically, he'll be close to being ready for week one. But he's got a huge contract number. The Browns could actually move on from him. It would be a really crummy thing for them to do. But they could move on from him. I would imagine that's the case. Hmm? They could restructure it. I think that's probably what they'll end up doing. And if he if he restructures, he stays in Cleveland, and he's participating in training camp, I've watched enough of this dude. I don't think I'd want to bet against him. It doesn't mean that I want to go and spend a top 30 pick on him. But I, I would I would say that like if we're getting him in round six, I I think I'd be more inclined. But it's if all of those ifs are aligned and he ends up in the exact same situation that he was in yet last year, maybe a little fewer carries. Jerome Ford takes on a little bit more of the workload. Uh, I could see him going down the Brees Hall path pretty easily and being a big time running back. Yeah, just Brees had so many catches, and you're never going to get that from. From Chubb, um, that's fair too. Yeah, this I think it's a good comment from Aaron. In He's also chat. in in a better offense for Nick Chubb with a better offensive line. So give him that plus if you're going to do that. Right. That's why Cleveland's support. If he goes on to like Tennessee or something like that, I'm I, I don't know if round eight would be early enough for me. I don't think Chubb is going to be as good as Derrick Henry was this year. All right. Let Again, me read the talking. comment. Let me read the comments. Sorry. Uh, Aaron said worst case scenario for Chubb is Derrick Henry of this year. Who was, by the way, second in the NFL on rushing yards, but he was on a per game basis. He was 13th in non PPRs as Derrick Henry, 16th in half PPR, RB 18 per game in full PPR. That was Derrick Henry. And that's what Aaron is saying. Worst case is for Chubb is Henry of this year. I think that's the best case. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll talk more about Henry when we come back from this commercial break. Henry and Eckler, plus a lot of wide receivers and a couple of tight ends. And we'll be right back. So I'm a father of what? I got to find a babysitter. I found Care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your child care necessities, check out Care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your child care needs. Selling a little or a lot. <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Henry and Eckler, do you guys think they have anything left in the tank? Yeah. Henry anything? Sure. Of course. Henry for sure. Anything Eckler, I think, will end up being, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful, uh, more of a third down back, not a feature guy. Yep. He has never been a big carries guy, right? He's always been, he's made his hay. Uh, does, does Austin Eckler have one 20 carry game in his career? I think maybe I have one. Yeah. I'm serious. I, you'd be surprised. Uh, check on that. But uh, Dave, you want to check on that or you want me to? I'll go. How many 20 carry games does Austin Eckler have in his career? I can do it right now, actually. Um, but, right, he's going to need to be in a space where he, he can catch a lot of balls. He has none. None. Never one in his career. Wow. Yeah, he's really? had 19 three times, but Austin Eckler has never had a 20 carry game. Um, here's, the only, here's the argument I'd make for Eckler. If you look at Saquon Barkley, if you look at Jonathan Taylor – High ankle sprains really derailed seasons for them, especially Barkley. Eckler in week one comes out, 16 carries, 117 yards, a touchdown, four catches, 47 yards, scores 26.4 fantasy points in week one, suffers a high ankle sprain. I do feel like he struggled the rest of the season, and because he was 28 years old, you know, people really blamed it on his age and said he was over the hill. What if it was just his ankle? That's my. He's opinion. not getting younger. <laughs> I think he is. I read some. No, he's not going to get her. <laughs> When's his birthday? We have it's to figure in, out his exact. It's in May. It's in May. No, no issues there. Okay. Uh, well, look, we know how productive he can be when he's getting a lot of catches in PPR. He's He's got to find a situation where he's still going to get those targets and he's still going to work near the goal line. Otherwise, we're going back to the past with him when he was splitting with another running back and he wasn't getting work near the goal line. And that might be, you know, in the neighborhood of 13 PPR points per game. I'd have to go and look and see what he did in that era, but he'd still be serviceable for fantasy. There's no question. And I think Jamie's right. We're hoping for him to be a passing downs back wherever he goes. Uh, I think about Kellen Moore going to Philadelphia. I think about Austin Eckler following him. And will he cost as much as DeAndre Swift? Could they use him in that role? And will Kellen Moore implement that in the Philadelphia offense? In a situation like that, I think I'd be in love. But, it, you know, if he if he's not being used even close to the way that he was used over the past three years, you're going to imagine a very steep drop for him. What was his ADP in our drafts? Where was he going? Seventh and eighth round. The problem is, is like, if he goes to a situation like Philadelphia, he's going to get overdrafted. Oh, I would hate him in Philadelphia. Right, because he's not going to get the touchdowns. Yeah. So that's a bad situation. Actually. I think I think I've talked myself out of Eckler completely here. Like I just I don't see okay. a path for him. I feel like he needs seventy catches to be good, to be like really oh, impactful. He needs he needs seventy catches and he needs like ten touchdowns because yeah. you know he's not going to get the rushing work almost no matter where he goes. Right. 
Um, okay. Would you rather have Henry? I think I might. Going to be 30? He is 30 years old. Um, ten. Derrick Henry had 10 games with more than 15 carries, and he averaged 19.4 PPR fantasy points. Uh-huh. But he just, when when they were trailing, he stunk. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's terrible. What team is he on? Is he on a contending team where he can be the running downs powerhouse goal line smasher? Like if he goes to Philadelphia, that's going to stink because he's not going to get every single short yardage goal line carry. But that's a team that in theory will be competitive and not playing from behind so many times like the Titans did. I just think almost all the scenarios that you're going to probably pose that he goes here, he goes there, he's going to get overdrafted for me. Like he goes yeah. to the Raiders, which I think would be a great fit. You know, you're talking about a team that definitely relied on its running game with Antonio right. Pierce, and it's an offensive line that's improving. Hopefully, there's going to be a good quarterback situation in place there. He's going to get pushed up into the first three rounds, and I'm out. If he goes to the Bengals to replace Joe Mixon, he's going to get pushed up his ADP, and I'm out. If he goes to Baltimore, his ADP is going to get pushed up, and I'm out. So just for me, I'm not drafting him at his age, switching teams, I just don't think you're going to get the bang for your buck. I think when he's healthy, he'll be awesome. And look, he's avoided injuries for the majority of his career. He had the foot injury three years ago, and we, we saw what happened there. But kudos to him. He bounced back and was just as good the, the following year and still very successful this year. You know, you mentioned it. Second in the NFL in rushing. Still gave you some some very good performances. Didn't live up to his ADP, but that's understandable. If you were drafting him that high, I don't think you should have expected him to live up to his ADP. But he's – He's, he's a beast. He's an alien. We've talked about this for years. So he'll still be good. I just will not be drafting him at his cost. He falls into maybe the round five or six range, then I might have some interest. But that's never going to happen. I, I bet he I ends up there. I bet he ends up in round four. I think that – I. so basically I just feel like you saw that, that stat I just gave, right? Ten games where he had 16 or more carries – 15, yeah, 16 or more. I mean, I, right. But how many? I've got a similar stat, but yeah. Right. But how many teams are going to give him that opportunity? I just don't see it at age 30. You know, the, I, the, the, the teams that make some sense if they, if they fix some things, and you alluded to this already with one of the guys we talked about, Dallas, because yes. they've had some interest over the last couple of years. Uh, there was some buzz at the trade deadline about Miami. If they decide to move on from Mostert and make him part of the tandem, there was actually one of the Dolphins reporters asked Raheem Mostert, ironically enough, are you recruiting Derrick Henry? Because of you know there was the interest at the trade deadline for Miami. Uh, yes, I'm recruiting him to replace me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Baltimore clearly would be uh, you know a that team that has a big hole, and, and we know that they like to have a – a power running back. We saw that with Gus Edwards. I think they wanted that to be J.K. Dobbins, but can't stay healthy. So there'll be a lot of teams, I think, that will give him those touches, you know, still with some old school coaches or coaches that want to take some pressure off maybe a young running back. You know, look, would surprise you if Carolina moved on from uh, Miles Sanders and and maybe threw some of that money at, at Derrick Henry to take some pressure off of Bryce Young? Could see Yeah, but two, 280 carries. I mean, do you see him getting 280 carries again? I don't because I don't think he's going to stay healthy. I mean, I just don't bank on older running backs. It's yeah. very rare that they make it through a full season when they're getting that much work. By the way, you know, this will be a topic for another show, but probably Minnesota would be the team, the the running back opening that fantasy managers would could be salivating over, you know. Um all right, sure. let's we got to talk about some wide receivers here as we're running a little bit long. So Jamie wanted to talk about the guys he wants to avoid or any 30 plus wide receivers in the first 3 rounds. 
Um, we'll, t- we'll do Jamie's in a minute here. But Dave, you had Terry McLaurin, T. Higgins, and the Steelers wide receivers. So um, Higgins would probably be the first off the board. He did go in round five in one of our drafts, but he went at the end of round three, 36 overall in one of our drafts as well. And then McLaurin and and Pickens were like round five, round six picks. Deontay was the last of this group. But I do want to ask you about Higgins because yesterday you said Joe Burrow was a player you loved. We talked mm-hmm. about the report that they were likely to franchise T. Higgins. So I know the way you're ranking Jamar Chase and the way you're ranking Joe Burrow. Seems like you're willing to forgive and forget last year. But why are you saying you're avoiding T. Higgins? I just think that he's going to be a little bit higher than what we were talking about with Terry McLaurin. And that's what he was in 2022. He was 13.8 PPR points per game. Last year, down year, he had a bunch of injuries. Burrow, obviously, with his situation. They overlap. Burrow's good games, so that's week five until he got hurt, along with T. Higgins. They only played three games together. They still averaged only 11.6 PPR points in those games. Uh, the reason why I love Joe Burrow is because I think he's an awesome quarterback. It helps that he's got Jamar Chase, who I think is an awesome wide receiver. I think T. Higgins is a very, very good wide receiver. If if, if he if he stays in Cincinnati, he's still going to be the number two. He's going to be up and down, so that inconsistency will be there. I do think he can do better than 11.6. I just don't think he can get to 15. So I don't want to draft him the same way that we drafted him this past season where we thought, okay, Cincinnati is just going to air it out a ton. All the targets will be funneled to Chase and Higgins. Higgins would be awesome in situations when Chase is out. But short of that, I don't think that he's necessarily somebody that we should – I think he'll get overdrafted is basically what it comes down to. And I think he could get overdrafted if he's traded. So the Bengals tag him and then they trade him to Carolina. And now he's the number one receiver for Bryce Young. There's no way he's getting overdrafted in Carolina. When he, oh, no, I don't think so either. But you never know how people are going to react because now he's a number one wide receiver. Now he doesn't have Jamar Chase. See, I, 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 would almost, I would almost think like some of the scenarios that you could see. So let's you, you want to say Carolina, there's no chance he's getting overdrafted there. If he goes to Tennessee, I don't think he's getting overdrafted there. I think if he stays in Cincinnati, he might get overdrafted because people are going to romanticize with what he did a couple of years ago, thinking, okay, Joe Burrow's healthy. He's healthy. They made the commitment to keep him, and now they're going to feature him maybe to the same extent as they have in years past. Uh, Adam, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you got him in round four in one of those drafts. Three, four turn, yeah. Which to me is fantastic. Yeah. I love that situation for him in that spot. No matter where – I shouldn't say – if he stays in Cincinnati, love that for him. Um, But, look, if he goes to a situation where he – I mean, imagine he goes to Kansas City. Like, that would be a dream situation for him. You know, he he can still end up in in a couple spots that will enhance his fantasy value. So – I think he's still one of the better receivers in the league. Uh, would not yeah. be opposed to drafting him as a number one receiver in the right situation. But that's me being, you know, uh, optimistic that he goes to one of these spots, not a Carolina, not a Tennessee, you know, where he can, you know, sort of emerge as as a as a go to guy for the right quarterback. There aren't many of those situations, so it's probably not going to happen. But in the in the, if he stays in in Tennessee, you know, I've kind of been on the opposite side of that that I think he's going to move on because I think he wants to chase the contract and. You know, maybe the, the Bengals can't afford to pay him um, and, and the franchise tag doesn't make sense as you're starting to hear about the tag and trade um, that uh, I, I would not be surprised if if he stays in in Cincinnati, uh, returns some pretty impressive value, especially in a contract. All right, and I, I know this people you might not like that I do, it, but I think you have to do it with T Higgins because you mentioned his points per game 
Dave, in 2022. And you have to Azer stat him. Week one, he played 26% of the snaps. Week five, he played 16% of the snaps. Week 13, he played one snap. In those three games, he had two catches for 27 yards. That killed his averages. I think you can sum up T. Higgins very simply. Here it is. In 2021, he averaged 15.7 PPR points per game. He was wide receiver 13 per game. In 2022, he played nine games that he didn't leave early and Jamar Chase was on the field. He averaged the same amount of points, 15.7 PPR per game, and would have been wide receiver 13 per game. That is exactly how I viewed him. I didn't see him as a top five caliber player. I saw him as a very, very safe number two wide receiver. The only and 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 if you're willing to throw out last year, I don't see why anything's different if he comes back and it's him, Chase, and Burrow. The only thing going in his favor that gives him more upside is in a small sample size when Higgins has been on the field without Chase, he's been a beast. That's true. So yep. not every wide receiver has that injury upside. Like you can't say Terry McLaurin, well, if this guy gets hurt, you know, whatever. But Higgins, if Chase misses time, he could be a top five wide receiver for that time period. So I loved. I think I'm good with him at 36. I hope he could, he makes it to the end of the third round. Oh, for sure. Uh, we talked about McLaurin, and who was your other one, Dave? I'm sorry. The Steelers wide receiver. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I did see in both of our drafts uh, some. I think this was before the Arthur Smith hire, though. <laughs> some love for uh, Pickens, and not so much for Deontay. Go ahead. No, I think Pickens will get drafted ahead of Deontay. And I, I'm i worried that they'll get overdrafted because of highlights and hype and target volume in the case of Deontay Johnson. But I think the Steelers made it real clear that they want to run the ball. And they talked about it. Their owner talked about it after the season. They went and hired Arthur Smith. Wouldn't surprise me in the least if they tried to upgrade their offensive line in at least two spots. And I also don't think they're going to be able to get a huge name at quarterback. I know that people are linking Justin Fields to them. I, I, I'd be a little surprised if they got a huge name at QB because I think they still want to see what they have in Kenny Pickett. But it's all going to point to them being a team that wants to run. And so I, I, I think that you kind of have to look at these receivers as middling wide receiver threes going into 2024. And does do either of them have the upside to be better than that? I, I would think so. I just don't know if those opportunities are going to be there like they would be if they were on a different team or if the Steelers made moves to try and be a more dynamic passing offense. I just don't think that that's where they're at right now. All right, let's talk about Jamie's wide receivers here. Jamie, you say you want to avoid on your do not draft list any 30-plus wide receiver in the first three rounds. So does that, yes, does that include Tyreek Hill? He's not 30 yet. He will be in March. That's not 30 yet. <laughs> okay, so other than him, Cooper Cup, he'll be 31 in June. Devontae Adams will be 31 on December 24th. So this will basically be his age 30 season. He'll be 30 and three quarters. DeAndre Hopkins turns 32 in June, and Stefan Diggs turns 31 on November 29th. Did I miss anyone? Cup, Adams, Hopkins, Diggs. Yeah. Keenan Allen, okay, thank Keenan you. Allen, 32. So it's 31 or older, not 30 or older. Um, I consider Adams 30. 
He'll be 31 on Christmas Eve. Diggs, same thing. 31 on November 29th. It's basically everybody but Tyreek Hill. Okay. Hmm. Dave, do you agree with all of that? No. I, I think some of those guys I'm going to be interested in, it just has to be at the right spot. You know, we were taking Devontae Adams as a round one pick. He's not anymore. We used to take Cooper Cup as a round one pick. He's not anymore. Uh, Keenan Allen was like a two, three turn type guy in PPR. I don't think he's going to be there anymore either. And Diggs, everybody's going to be nervous about after the way that he finished last year. So I, I, I get where he's coming from. I don't think it's an ages thing. I think it's a, these guys aren't as ages they once were thing. It's an ages thing. They're not as good as they once were because they're old. Except for Keenan. Keenan Allen, we have to point out, had a tremendous. I thought Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins had numerous games where they looked not like an old wide receiver. Well, I mean, look, there's going to be times when great players still flash. And exactly. I think there's a lot of situations where these guys can still be productive, but to take them with early picks, you're just adding more risk to it. So I'm going to look to avoid that risk. That's fair. Adams was on the worst offense of his career. Um, and Hopkins may be the same. I, I would bet the same. I, I haven't done that, but they're probably, past, they're past I don't know. Probably was a Texans offense or two. That was just as bad. Right. Oh, right. He had the Osweiler season and he was, he was awful that year. And he came back after that and he was a hall of famer. Um, but there is that, you know, maybe, uh, maybe fantasy managers would be even more concerned if those guys had struggled on good offenses, good passing offenses. They struggled on. Yeah, but do you see them getting that much better? I mean, don't know. Tennessee's got some potential, but who knows if Hopkins is still there. Um, Adams may be with the Jets, and that would be, I think, not a disaster, but you're adding him to, you know, another receiver that uh, has some some upside that, you know, may hurt him. Uh, Plus the the Adams fallback. Sorry, I have my dog here. Um, (laughs) You have a dog? Yeah. Oh, you just got the dog. Hey, oh, you have a puppy. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, your name is that your she stomach? Was, What's your she dog's was, She was eating it. Her. What's hey. your dog's name? Her. Uh, Orly. Orly. That's yeah. awesome. O R L Y. How long have you had the dog? Uh, about a month. I had no. Do you idea. ever call it O'Reilly? No. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Congratulations. Good for you. Thank and you've, you've never had a dog before, right? No, not as a child either. First first dog I've ever had. So. Awesome. Watch where you step. <laughs> no, she's great. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to avoid these guys. I'm, I just can't see myself um, drafting them. Would you take any of them, Cup, Diggs, Hopkins, Adams, over T. Higgins? Would I take them over T. Higgins? Um TBD, based on where Higgins is. Higgins in Cincinnati, I'd rather have Higgins. Okay. And all of them? Except for Tyreek. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Um, and then our tight ends. So Jamie said he wants to avoid Hawkinson, and Dave said he wants to avoid Pitts. Do either of you disagree with your partner here, your coworker? Um, I'm I'm going to be inclined to draft Pitts, depending on the QB situation there in Atlanta. You know, so he's still got top 10 upside. Um you know, you look at what he had as a rookie in terms of who his quarterback was, and that was great. And then he got banged up his second year, and I hope he's going to be healthy. If he's if he's not dealing with any injuries, then, yeah, I still have a lot of interest in, in Pitts, and I would draft him over Hawkinson as of now. Top 12 tight end, sure. But, like, priority, not priority, but, like, 
second or third tier tight end. I, I don't I don't know what I need to see or hear that's going to make me buy into Kyle Pitts. Let me think of the best case scenario. Healthy. Yes. Uh, the offense has already changed. He should be healthy coming into the year. So those are two things that are in his favor. Upgrade a quarterback. It, it would have to be like a huge upgrade in quarterback who has a tendency to lean on tight end. But I don't even like this most recent quote where he's like, Kyle Pitts can be a tight end. No, Kyle Pitts should be a wide receiver. No, no. but to Jamie's point, no tight end. He shouldn't be blocking anybody. Ever. It doesn't matter. No, no tight end. Tight end like he's not going to be an inline tight end. No tight. No tight end well, lined not. up out wide more than Pitts last year. And Jamie's saying, line him up at the end of the line of scrimmage against linebackers, you know, and take advantage of that. And, and he was out wide so much more, I think, than any other tight end. Yep. And his a dot is way too high. I mean. I That's like fair. I like a guy That's that goes true. downfield. So that I comes like down. That. You need a good quarterback if you're going to have that a dot. Like, give me some easy completions. Give me some cheap PPR points. Things can change for Kyle Pitts. How about three years of underwhelming play? No, well, two years. Two His years. rookie year, he was pretty good. He just didn't. And score. he wasn't healthy this year. He also had terrible quarterbacks. I mean, not that Matt Ryan at the end of his tenure with the Falcons was good, but he was certainly good enough for his receiving core. And we yeah. saw it with Calvin Ridley, and we saw it with Kyle Pitts. You know, and that's one thing at least Arthur Smith was honest about when I spoke to him last offseason. He said, Matt Ryan. I said, what was the difference his rookie year and his last year? Matt Ryan. He said he trusted his quarterbacks more. And and yeah. look, that's on him. That's on the you know front office for not addressing that and making that a better part of what they thought. You know, maybe they just had too much faith in, De- in, faith in Desmond Ritter. And we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. But it's certainly going to be better than what it was. I know 22nd was great. But they're going to be better than, <laughs> than what it was. So um, that's my hope for, for Pitts. There's still too much of a unicorn player to give up on him yet. The difference between what you're, where you're drafting him now versus where you drafted him the last two years is going to be probably five or six spots at his position. My final point about that whole the Falcons finished 22nd in pass attempts that wasn't that bad is that I just want my final point is this they could get worse. If they're not guaranteed to get better. There were 10 teams that were worse than them. That that was my point. I think they'll get better. And I think they'll get better simply because they'll throw more. But things can get worse. That's that was my point. All right, things could done. definitely get worse. Yeah. Things can get worse. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's finish up there. Let's wrap it up. We're going to do some FFT in five if you want to hear some more. Maybe I'll come up with my do not draft list like I did yesterday for my players I love. And uh, managed to talk about ETN yesterday again. So there's that. <laughs> I love ETN, but I also hate ETN. Here's why. <laughs> I love ETN, but he's not my avoid list now. Uh, we'll figure it out. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. I'm fantasy Bye. football today. Oh. Bye, Orly. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.